0: Welcome everybody yeah. to another episode of the Mind Sculptors podcast. I am your host Callahan, and on today's show we've got a lot of. We're back. Uh, we have been off the YouTube airwaves, or in the in the the Spotify airwaves, in uh, all those airwaves uh, for the last four weeks, and we are back. With my good friend Phoenix, one of the OGs on camera, welcome back with my yeah. microphone. It's been a little while. How are you doing, friend? I, Great. I, what, I what have you been up moving. to the last few weeks? Yeah, I live on the West
1: Coast now, so that is the majority of the changes between the last time that I think I was on the podcast and now. um Yeah, that's the big changes. uh No major job changes or anything like that. Just. I now live on the West Just Coast. no
0: longer here yep. in, in Lincoln with me. Yep, basically. Um, so I have nobody to commiserate with, uh, other than my wife. Uh, <laughs> and then you're um, moving soon, so... I am moving soon. I move in six weeks. Uh, so we're moving to Louisville, Kentucky, and uh, it'll be an interesting adventure. Uh, I'm excited for a- it, It's an actual big city, which is is pretty exciting, so... Um, that will be uh, Reno likes th- to make the joke.
1: I just went through Reno. Reno likes to make the joke, the biggest little city, but it's actually Lincoln. It's
0: not yeah. even close. <laughs> it, it, it's so funny because it, anybody who's ever been to Lincoln, Nebraska is, it is just a really big town. Like it's it, it's it, a college town that then has other people in it, but it's a college
1: town and that's it. Yeah. If you've been to, but if it, you've been it, to but one it's of just those, like, it's just like that.
0: Yeah, like, there's no real city as, like, it's big enough to qualify as a city because it has the amount of people necessary to qualify as a city, but it's, like, very much feels like a town (laughs) and does not feel like a city, uh, whereas, like, Louisville, for example, uh, definitely, like, has a city, like, it has two outer belts on, right? Like, that's... Columbus doesn't even have that. Like those are Columbus is technically big. functional interstate infrastructure. You mean, well, I could, I could go around that. I'm sure Pal and <laughs> I could, could go like, just talk about why uh, just central the Ohio's like interstate system is fucked, but the interstate um, podcast, the interstate podcast, <laughs> uh, but thank you all for joining us. It's good to be back. Uh, If a few few kind of key notes uh, is I do believe I am going to be at Magic Minneapolis, Uh, not 100 percent sure on that. Uh, I'm still working out some of the potential travel stuff with that, but I do have the uh, ability to get there as far as a pass for the event. With all of that, uh, knowing I'm, I'm going to be trying to make it to Minneapolis, uh, you know, money, you know, we're moving. Uh, so if you want to help support me and uh, support the Mind Sculptors in getting us there, you can go to our Patreon at www.patreon.com forward slash Mind Sculptors. You can also go to the Mind forward slash shop. And pick up our new merch, which is the could be a Nigela card merch, which I highly recommend. Uh, I need to purchase mine so that I can wear it at Minneapolis. Uh, and so we are back. And today, Phoenix and I. So part of why we had I, I brought Phoenix back on for this episode one you haven't had a microphone for a while, so you haven't been physically capable of coming on for a while, which has been a huge downer for me because, you know, I like
1: I would never you have and Ian, thoughts.
0: Yeah, you and Ian no. are like my two best friends. So not being able to have one of you on was was rough. Uh, so I was immediately like, you're set up. Let's go. Uh, but also, you and I have a lot of thoughts about a lot of different cards. And so. Today, we're doing an episode, as you can tell by the title, is some underrated CEDH cards, cards that we think that more people should be playing. uh, More people should either absolutely be in their decks if they're doing if they're in the right colors for it or should be cards that are at minimum considered a little bit more than they currently are. Um, yeah, and if so, you have
1: differing thoughts, definitely tell us what your differing thoughts are.
0: Get tell in us the that we
1: get, get in the comments, tell us we're wrong, or tell us that you see these cards all the time and we're just completely wrong when we yeah. don't see these cards.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, the first group of cards, we kind of have these grouped up into, what is it, one, two, three, four, five, six categories. Um, And the first group of cards we're going to look at here are cards that Phoenix and I consider to be staples. Like, these should be, at minimum, in your first draft of a deck you are playing in these colors. Um, And so, like, the first card, like, first, the, the cards on this list are Reanimate, Memory Lapse, Winds of Abandon and bring to light and three of these cards are Callahan soapbox cards. Um, But uh, one of them is a card that I know you feel very passionately about. And so reanimate, like I know this was is a card that you feel very strongly should be in every black deck, like explain that full stop. No caveats.
1: Literally. I think that reanimate should be in every black deck. Yes. Um, it turns out that the best card type that Wizards seems to be printing in new sets is creatures. And you look at all of the spoilers for the new set and be like, wow, I really wish that I could reanimate that Atraxa or I really <laughs> wish I could reanimate that dragon that tutors when it enters the battlefield from the new set. Um, I mean, the, the, we're only going to get more and more and more creatures that do more and more and more dumb things that apparently they're perfectly fine with being cheated on the battlefield. Right. Because it's just the design space that the game seems to be moving towards, and yeah, it, as simple as that. I think that one mana put a thing from the grave, any graveyard, onto the battlefield, pay an amount of life. When life is not really a relevant resource in our format, compared to a lot of the other resources that we have to interact with, right? Um, you don't get very many turns, but you get plenty of life, and cheating on turns by paying life seems great. It's, it's, it's really as simple as that. Um, I think that value reanimate should be in every deck and it's something that maybe you would end up cutting because it's not getting you enough value in your meta, but I think that it's something that should be in your starting draft of pretty much any deck with black.
0: Yeah. And that was kind of how I feel about like memory lapse, right? Like any deck that's blue. Um, maybe it's not the, the counter spell you want to keep in your counter spell package because of whatever. Your strategy is, but it's a card that I have a hard time cutting because in a lot of cases, I almost find it to be better than delay in a lot of situations because there's a few things that I don't think enough people i have talked about this on the podcast before, so I won't get too, too deep into it. But one of the things that I think a lot of people really discount with memory lapse is the tempo. Swing that the card provides, um, and what I mean by that is uh, a lot of the you know so people let's use ad nauseum for for an ex- as an example right? Um, how are ad nauseums be- generally speaking being cast through single use mana sources? So cards like Lotus Petal or Lion's Eye Diamond or Culling a- Ritual, Calling Ritual, or any any of these effects that create mana that expires at the end of turn, um, and is not a a continual source of mana, uh, memory lapse is very good at doing two things: one, making sure that they just wasted all of that mana that they worked to produce, uh, but two, it also serves as a really good rattlesnake for the rest of the table, or makes. That player, the rattlesnake, for the rest of the table, so that you are able to know who has what in their hand. Um, in many cases, let's say you counter somebody's counterspell with it, you, as the person who knows they now have a counterspell back in their hand after their next draw, can kind of priority bully that person into have using that. that counterspell. And so there's a lot of things that you can do with it that are like like on the surface I totally understand the idea of oh well they're going to draw it again. But it's different than remand. Remand puts it right back into their hand. This puts it on top of their deck. So if they want to search their library for anything, they are shuffling that away, right? Or you um, respond to effects Yeah. get them that way. That's also a fun uh fun thing. But uh yeah it, it's just one of those things where like memory lapse is a card that i I think a lot of people don't really look at when they're looking at their two mana counterspells, and they they tend to go to delay because delay like you know makes it so they don't get the card back in their hand. This is something that I'll
1: jump back in with on another category that we have coming up, but it's it's an example of a card that I saw played all the time. Uh, when I started playing the format in 2011, um, it was maybe the premium counter spell in the format at that point in time. Uh, and then the tuck rule got changed and I saw a very heavy shift away from it where you, you go from the overcorrection of like, this is the best thing that we could be playing in this slot to now, Mm -hmm. this is not the best thing. So why are we playing it? And you right. just jump from one all the way to the other, and the actual power of the card is probably somewhere in the middle, not on one end
0: or the other. Yeah, I, it's one of those things where it's like I think it is. If if you would consider playing delay in your deck, I think you should also consider playing this. If you would consider playing mana drain in your deck, I think you should also be consider playing this. Um, not all decks are going to be doing that, but most blue decks are at least thinking about those cards at some point in the draft of a deck. Um and so I'm I'm very strongly on the memory lapse train. Bring to light is a card that we've talked about before on this channel. And I, I specifically remember before Modern Horizons 2 was it 2 or yeah uh I came out with right Profane timing. Tutor. Uh yeah Absolutely. is it was about two years ago now I, I was talking about bring to light and that hey this is a really good card maybe we should be playing it we live in a dockside world um this just goes and grabs ad nauseum like why are you if this is a second nauseum in your deck it's just like you're already play, playing sorcery speed ad nauseums why are you not also playing this if you can like in the gila deck right um it's it's a
1: better rate than if you were to play any other tutor for ad nauseum, other than maybe uh what's the black one? We maybe could have added this in here actually. Uh the black tutor that is five mana and gives you three mana back. Oh, Dark Dark, dark Tradition? Yeah. Yeah. That maybe could have been um, in here too. That one was played for a long time as well. Um But like people are considering playing Grim Tutor in their Nas decks to get access to naws more often and this is
0: i i think bring to light is a better not. rate it, it, especially if you have red in your color identity and if you have teamer in your if you're okay if you are realistically if you're sans white or five color naws this should be in your deck in my opinion uh and if you're not if it's not in your deck i think that you are leaving money on the table for no particular reason that I can identify. <laughs> um, like, I, I understand that, like, there is something to be said about the fact that Drana turns
2: this off. But, is that, like...
1: Alpo turns off the other tutors, anyways. Yeah,
0: so, so it's like, I, I don't... I don't know that this is like it's, it's it, the
1: classic uh
0: dies to Doomblade, right?
1: Like, yes, right. there are ways to stop
0: this, but right. Um, I, I don't think it's enough to like completely negate the card. And again, there there will probably be decks that don't play this in the final draft, and that's okay. But I never see anybody talk about this card. I, the only time I ever saw anybody consider it was with Cody. And I fully am like, we play Dockside. Why are we not also playing? Like, imagine uh, let's let's also imagine this world, too, because here here's why it should even be in the like no bad cards, the Gila deck, because this is like the it, it gets you every win con in your deck. Hey, do you have a Derevi win set up? Hey, bring to light puts this immediately onto the battlefield. You don't have to cast it a second time. You have five mana, you put Derevi there. Um, hey, do you need to go get a... Uh, what's it called? A Ad nauseum, and that's how you're trying to win. Hey, this goes and it puts it straight onto the stack. You need a board wipe? Delayed Blast Fireball? That is hilarious that this casts from Exile, so it yep. does get that effect. That's yep. very funny, That I haven't thought about that. Yep, um, I'm a big fan. But... But, like, that's kind of what I mean with this stuff is it's just, like, I, I look at to light and I'm just, like, I don't see why this is not a card that sees play.
1: I, something I've discussed a lot with people is WinCon access, and this tutors any card type in green-blue. It, that's not something that green-blue normally does. Yeah. Uh, it's very solid.
0: It's I like it a lot. It's great WinCon app. Uh, access um, I mean help people play like intuition and they won't play this and I'm just I, it's such a good card play this card uh, and the final card in this category is winds of abandon and I, I have talked a lot so far in this but can you explain you have to three people, out of Jeremy? Four cards in this category so well do, do me a favor because I have explained this a lot and I just want somebody who's not me to explain this to people um why winds of abandon is as good as i say it is because i'm not the only person who thinks of this so
1: just completely skipping over the fact that you can play this card for two mana path to exile which is great by the way that's like my my worst version of the card is two mana path to exile that is playable um but the main argument i always see against this card is well i give them mana well Anytime that you're casting this card, you're usually casting it because you're going to die. And you know what means that you're not dead? When you cast this card, and you are not dead, and you don't care if they have lands, because you're not dead. Also,
2: this is another thing that I was one to it ask.
0: It's one-sided, and uh, how many decks? We, we, we just got the, what was it? The EDH Top 16 website that came out. How many of those top 16 decks do you think are playing basic? Let me, let me pull it up here real quick and see how many are in two colors left. less. Like, it, I, I am willing to to guess that there are on an average of zero to two basics played in an average CEDH deck. So let's see, the first two-color deck
1: I see is Canon, which has
2: two. So most of the time
0: you are giving probably no lands away for this. One or two, yeah. Like to the entire One or table. two at most. Like right, like like sure there you might play against the mono red decks that are out there, but even like Godo doesn't play a bunch of basics, right? Like Godo's playing all of these fast mana lands. Um
1: the most likely worst case scenario for you with the amount of lands is you're going to give somebody four and it's going to be a tainted packed deck that is going to get island snow covered island snow covered swamp swamp and that's if they don't already have them
0: out right and it's it, it's also assuming that like that's your worst case scenario and that's just even feels like a fairy tale to me uh, because nobody plays basics uh, it's or like,
1: for example, the deck that I saw that immediately made me think of that was Yuriko, and you're probably way more okay with Yuriko having lands than you are with Yuriko having unblocking, unblockable attackers.
0: Yeah, that's 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 just one of the things. Is I I think if you look at why this card is good, and it, it and it's not only that. Like, and perhaps you're sitting here saying, "Well, it's like, oh well, I don't really, you know." But damn is cheaper. It's like, yeah, but dam kills everything. For two more mana, you are able to do this thing called wipe everybody else's creatures away and then attack for free. So not only can it stop you from dying, it can also help you, like, just seal a victory. Um, Yep, if you need to swing to win the game, this clears the port for you. There's no blockers anymore. This should be in every white deck that is creature-centric. At minimum. And
2: I'm
1: I also pretty think, much of
0: the same opinion, so I'm not gonna be much pressed back on you on that one. I, I also think you should consider playing this in Tim Necrom. I, I would play this over Worth before I would play Dam personally. Uh you make enough mana in that deck and you kind of care about your creatures enough <laughs> because they're your adv- like your uh advantage engines, so wiping your creatures is I mean it, let, let's talk about like uh Brian Koval for a second, right? Let's think back to Oktoberfest and the play patterns that he took to uh, get his Krom on line. Like he used a dress down just so he could turn a Drannith off for a turn and put his Krom and Timna back into play. Your commanders matter a lot, and your like your creatures matter a lot in those situations. So having a one-sided board wipe is worth it. Um I, I think you should be playing this before you're playing damn. And if you disagree with me, get in the comments. I'm going to tell you you're wrong. Uh and that's great. It's perfect. Uh <laughs> we can both have different opinions. That's fine. But I do think you should be playing ones of abandoned before you play damn. I think this is just light years better. Um outside of the fact that the artist is just a giant piece of shit, but that was standing. Um, we'll get another art eventually. Eventually. I, if I keep yelling about it enough, maybe we will. Um, the next category of cards that we're talking about is what <laughs> we have dubbed. We will have Jace. less,
1: less opinions on probably than the ones we marked staples. So. Yeah. Uh,
0: the next category is uh, what we dubbed the Jace category. Uh this is <laughs>
1: it's on brand for the podcast
0: too. It it's is great. it's on brand for the podcast. It's it's like uh recasting things from your graveyard, whether that's artifacts or instants and sorceries, you know, low-cost blue cards. So uh, you know, we've got Jace Friends Prodigy here, which has the flip over into Jace Telepath Unbound, uh Snapcaster Mage here, and then also Emery Lurker of the lock. And so when you look at these, Phoenix, what are your thoughts on like exactly why these are underplayed cards?
1: So uh, I immediately jumped to JVP because I remember playing when JVP got released and everyone freaking out about this card because it's very good. And this card was a, at a point in time over $100 yep. uh, a piece. I remember. Uh,
0: what? That was a great standard format. What's, what's, the, uh, no what's the internet saying? yep. <laughs>
1: Uh, it's like $11 right now. It's one-tenth the price, no big deal. Yeah. Uh, but like at, at a certain point in time, this card was more expensive than Chase the Mind Sculptor uh, yep. because of how heavily played it was in every format. Uh, I think it is a little bit of an indication of how the game has progressed since that point in time with card design, where the amount of things that this creature is doing, and it is doing a lot of things. Yeah are maybe not enough to compare to a lot of the newer options coming out but that doesn't mean that it went from played in every deck to completely unplayable it's the exact yeah. thing that i was trying to mention earlier It sits somewhere in the middle and i think that this card is not in very many decks that i see um and that is why it makes me think of that um, the other options also make me think of that where they're not amazing in every deck and they're not Instant includes like they would be in like our stable categories, but they're cards that yes, not everyone plays, but they're cards that
0: people should think about playing because they replay your other very good cards. It's it's like Snapcaster Mage to me, feels like an odd card that I don't see in uh, like some Turbo NOS decks because it feels like it fits right in, right? Because you go, you flash this in to you know, somebody's countered your ad nauseum. Okay, cool. Uh later on I flash this in, put Nas back on the stack. Like this feels like I, I listen,
1: this Could is almost a good put f- Noxious Revival back in this category at this point, because I think yeah, that honestly, is maybe like, underplayed too, so it maybe should be in that category too. Well,
0: I think that's also just the drift away from green, more than likely. No, yeah. Um, but like in these blue decks, like why the hell are you not playing Snapcaster, or Emery, like, or Emery? So, so here's the thing: you have Emery's a magic card. You have a lot. I have strong opinions on Emery, but you have stronger feelings about it than on Emery. So, like, kind of like, what are your thoughts on Emery? Uh, this card is kind of free. Is <laughs> is
1: my initial opinion? Like, people are willing to play Darcy, which uh, if you cast four spells, it may mill less than this card. And this mm-hmm. card lets you cast spells from your graveyard and then maybe cost the same amount of mana as DRC. I, I think DRC is great for what's worth. I think it's a great card, but like this is maybe better than that and
0: pitches just yeah. a force. It It's very good. Um, it's also one of those things where uh, again uh, lets you replay your LEDs, lets you replay your mana rocks, your fast mana, all that stuff. And it, is almost always like okay. Let me. The Underworld Breach decks in other formats also play this play card. This card. So like <laughs> I, <laughs> I, we're missing something
1: there. Uh, that's I just pretty obvious I, I, to me at least.
0: It, it's one of those things where I. It, it, I'm sure there's people who are going to scoff at this, but it's just like people tell me that it's like oh we spend all this time like, um you know optimizing and doing all of this, but it's like, first of all, how, right? Are, how many decks are you playing against that are varied that are not just your group that you test with? Um, and two, when we look at the people who are winning, like Brian Koval, he tends to play some of these off the, like what we would consider maybe like off the wall cards, the like containment priest right? My containment priest was in his deck, and it was a Winota tech card. And it was quite good for him. And it's just like one of those things where I I think the community I I hear a lot sometimes it's like sometimes the old guard are really like push back on uh, you know ideas in newer cards, cards cards that you have evaluated at one point in history
1: and the evaluation on them cannot change ever because you have evaluated them. Yeah. Um, I'm not saying that for anyone in specific, just like as a community, that
0: is the way that people evaluate cards. Yeah. Across the board, new players and old players have done that. And, you know, I, I look at these three cards and I'm like, JVP is still a strong card. Emery is ridiculous. And Snapcaster Mage A format is, staple in multiple formats that are not ours. Yeah. And I I just listen, we already play like you're a naus centric deck. Why are you not replaying playing ways to replay Naus? I just It gets you out of so many like weird situ- situations. I just I I don't know. I don't totally understand that. Um Speaking of cards that I don't understand people just deciding we are done playing, uh is cantrips. And uh cantrips are one of those cards that Well, you always we, have Tibna. You never yeah, don't have
1: Tibna. No one plays Tyranna.
0: Yeah. Um so here I put down Ponder, Preordine, Serum Visions, even before the move away from cantrips, Serum Visions was kind of a less played Cantrip. Serum Visions with, might
1: not be good enough anymore. There yeah, be and, options, and, but it gets the point across.
0: Uh, yeah. It's more of this idea of these very powerful sorcery speed Cantrips that have uh, been staples in the past and are still quite good and are either staples of other formats or are banned in basically all the formats they're legal in uh, or are staples in the formats that they're legal in. Um, like one of the things that I don't totally understand, like is the move away from cantrips and uh, cantrips are one of those things where uh, even uh, okay. Timna Cromdex, Sure. I, can yeah, I was going to jump bit. into
1: a personal anecdote that like my experience with this is that people who play Timna realize that cantrips are not as good as consistent right. access to Timna, which I agree with. But then people who are not playing Timna see people in Timna cutting cantrips and then follow suit. And I think right. that is where the gap is in my uh, evaluation of them versus right. other people.
0: I mean, card selection, card draw. I mean, we talk about this all the time, right? How strong card draw is. And we hear this all the time, how strong card draw is. And yet we won't play card draw spells. You know what I mean? Yes. Yeah. I, I
1: really want to draw cards, but I don't have any cards in my deck that draw cards.
0: Boy, but we, no, Tim is well, knows, knows ex- so much better than my commander. That's so weird. But, but like here, here, here's the other, thing. one of the things that I want to do eventually are cards that are staples that shouldn't be, uh, because I feel like that's a podcast also. Oh, um, absolutely. Uh, but like these cards, I just look at them and I'm like, okay, so why are we not playing these? It turns out if I cards? play the
1: same 90, as, it turns out that if I play the same 99 as the Timna deck, the Timna deck
0: does better than me. That's so weird. Weird. Odd. Um, Also, for those of you who are wondering, uh, yes, this is the uh, I only accept these three arts of these three cards, which is the Fifth Dawn Serum Visions, the Lorwyn Ponder, and the Dual Dex Preordain. Uh, If you have not seen the Dual Dex Preordain, it's Venser versus Koth, and it is the only canonical Preordain, in my opinion. It is so good. Um Also kind of ties into current story. It, yeah, it also ties into current yeah. story really well. Um, but it, it, yeah, uh, I, I highly recommend these cards. Uh, again, being cards that you consider if you're playing blue, um, I would. My two cents is I would cut wheels for cantrips. <laughs> wheels in this format are not
1: great. I have not looked at the statistical analysis of it that I think Ken did on the EDH guide recently, but I know that it wasn't great.
0: Yeah. In favor of the person casting the wheels. Uh, it generally favors the person the turn after the wheel player. Um, if I recall that correctly. Um, I, I just think you should be playing cantrips instead of wheels. I think it's that easy. Um maybe Maybe I'm oversimplifying it, uh, but uh, while we're on the topic of kind of these one mana, you know, kind of stapley cards, but are not, you know, staples per se, maybe more specific staples are uh, removal pieces uh, that just kind of in general, people don't play a lot of great or good removal. And so we've we've listed here uh, five pieces of removal that are cards that are either cards we think are not played enough or are not even considered to the extent with which they should be. Um, These five cards are Path to Exile, Bile Blight from Theros, which is a deep cut, uh, Delayed Blast Fireball. Oko, Thief of Crowns, and Tragic Arrogance. And I know you have strong feelings about Tragic Arrogance. I have strong feelings about Tragic Arrogance, yeah. Do you want me to start there? Go for for it, babe. I I mean,
1: all that I really need to do to argue for this card is for, like, if you watching this decide, I'm going to play Tragic Arrogance for a game, and you resolve that Tragic Arrogance, I don't think I need to make another argument for you. It will make the argument for itself. Um, The card is that good when you resolve it. Uh, It turns out that being able to cataclysm all of your opponents but you're the one who picks? Very good. Yeah. Turns out that uh, you can double select the same permanent for yourself and then you can keep your Esper Sentinel and your other creature and then you're good to go. And then you can make your opponent keep nothing. Nothing relevant. Yeah. It's basically
2: a one-sided part-wide. It is not it, actually, but
1: it it's is, very, very dumb at, at a starting point.
0: Yeah. I, I am a huge fan of it. I don't, I don't play it in my art index mostly because of the fact that Arden decks really want to overwhelm their opponents through I have more value pieces than you do. Um... Yep, and, it can be a little bit
1: weird in mid-range uh yeah. where you will likely find that even in mid-range, I guess is the way I'll take this sentence, uh even in <laughs> mid-range, you can select the pieces that are the best on the current board state for yourself and then
0: pick the pieces that are the worst for your opponents in the current board state. Yeah. And that will be worth it still. Yeah. It, it it is a card that I think a lot of people should be playing it. I I tend to put pl- put it in early drafts of decks. Um, in Arden decks, I don't really consider it, mostly because, like I said, that's a deck that really cares about overwhelming your opponents with...
1: Like, if you're like, very heavy
0: on one-card type like equipments, it's yeah, like tough. like I, I, I want to have multiple equipments out, and having to alt and like get it down to one is like, I'd rather not. Uh, <laughs> uh, the other card here that I know you... We both like this card a lot. Is delayed blast fireball? This card's very good. I don't know if you've uh,
1: played one-sided flame sweep before, but this is one-sided flame sweep that also hits your opponents in the face and can win with breach. And that's without getting into the foretell part of this card.
2: You that's also... about where I
1: need to stop. I think because it's the foretell part of this card exists and is great, but that's really? not how I almost ever cast this card.
0: But Jeremy, it can't remove Dranath.
1: That's fine. We have plenty of removal for Dranith. <laughs> this card clears everything on the board that isn't mine, so I don't care. Yeah. You can I, you can keep that Dranath out. I just killed all the Timnas and the Geelas on the board. I'm great.
0: I, I I think that's another thing that you'll see as a reoccurring theme in some of the cards we picked are cards that heavily favor you uh versus being uh we are looking at uh what's what's the word I'm looking at not asymmetric not symmetric asymmetric uh, yeah. almost every single one of these
1: cards is asymmetric
0: yeah like uh, uh, literally like everything that we've mentioned so far like tragic arrogance asymmetric delay blast fireball asymmetric winds of abandon asymmetric like we're talking about cards that are going to put you way ahead because of the fact that you ha- are, are not getting affected by it. Um, whereas, like flame sweep and uh, what's the other one, Pyro fiery cannonade, fiery cannonade. Those That's hit everything, uh, and not just opponents. So, like this pirates, is just fiery cannonade doesn't hit pirates, but okay, but this hits everything. And, their, that isn't and yours. their creatures.
2: Yeah.
0: yeah. And so, their faces. Yeah. And this is really good. Uh, the other thing that is kind of in the same category as this card, um, a little bit in my opinion, is Bio Blight. Um, and I think this is very good uh, in this meta for a lot of reasons, is because something like. What was it like 70% of the cards in an average CEDH deck are shared cards? Same. Yeah. Um, and so you're seeing a lot of the similar cards. You're seeing a lot of Asper Sentinels. You're seeing a lot of Draniths. Hey, guess what? This removes every single Dranith on the board. Um, <laughs> that's really good for two mana. <laughs> like, it also removes every Dockside on the board, and it removes every Gilded Drake on the board, and it removes every Timna on the board, and every Najeela on the board, and every kinin on the board, and continues in ad. Yes, it can only target a creature, but this gets you, like, this is instant speed. Let's say somebody's going off with the Revy and in najila, and you're just like, okay, you've eliminated all the other players. Cool. Bile Blight? <laughs> Targeting your warrior? <laughs> like, got him. I, I think you win there, right? Like, it's just, it, it's one of those things where I think Bile Blight is a card that maybe it, it doesn't go into every black deck. Um, but I think this is removal. It, it's kind of indicative of the flexible is- removal.
1: A lot of removal in this game and we don't play very much of it in our format we play yeah. a very small subset that sometimes expands to include lightning bolt and sometimes doesn't and that's about as far as we go we don't really move past the one mana options very often yeah and there's a lot of removal in this game speaking
2: of
0: one mana options path to exile uh, yeah what was it uh, it exiles a Ken- thing Ken just had a post about this where he he made a comment on how he thinks it's better than Swords to Plowshares. Swords? And I, 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 I tend to agree with that for the most part. Uh, I think if you're like a stack stack, I would probably want to be on Path before I'm on Swords because you care more about other people's life totals because you're trying to make the game go as long as possible and kill people that way. Um, so I think Path is probably better in that case than Swords. Mostly because of the fact that you're like you're nickel and diming everybody on their life anyhow, right? Yeah. So it's the concern like,
1: is that if you're nickel and diming them on their mana consumption, then this is counterproductive to that. So it's the sure half a dozen I, one, I, I, you know, I think you. I, I think another. you're
0: you're more likely to be in infl- like you're. I think it's more likely the extra five life will matter than the risk of somebody maybe playing a basic like. It, it I, I think the, the mana, like the basics that they get off of these are, like, I think basic lands are just so ridiculously underplayed in the format that these cards that get your opponent's basic lands are just completely one-sided. The one giant
1: caveat that I would have for that is that it is much worse of removing commanders. Yes. Uh, because you pay for half of the command tax. And then if they hit the land drop, they just replay the commander, for example. Right. But that is a lot less relevant if the deck doesn't play
0: basics. Right. If this is a five color deck or a four color deck, the odds are they're not playing basics. Um, <laughs> Our mana is too good to play basics. Is yeah. basically why. Yeah. For anyone uh, following that. Also, a card that you had mentioned pre-show of removal and... It's kind of a generically good card. Archetypical,
1: archetypical example of repeated removal is good. Yeah. So this is an example of, I think, that the format has caught on that cards like, say, uh, Grim Hireling with repeated removal on it are absolutely obscene in multiplayer. Yeah. Because you put it down, you invest, you've you invested the mana one turn, and then over the course of two to three more turns, you now control the board state. Right. And so that's kind of exactly the thought with like Oko. There's other examples. Chatter thing is a good example. You make a lot of tokens um, and just anything with like repeatable removal on it. Um, Oko, Oko, Oko is kind of an archetypical example of like Oko does repeatable removal and other dumb stuff because he's Oko. <laughs> what a card. Is repeatable removal and also dumb stuff. Yep. <laughs> One of the main issues I've run into with Oko is just that, like, repeatable removal is not always good in every meta because you may not need to remove more than one thing, or removal may not stop your opponents from winning underworld
0: breach, for example. Right. Um, cards that would be good, uh, speaking of cards that may not be good in every single meta, um, are our next category, which is the meta cards. And uh, these are, I, I only have one card. I got lots of these to to put into this, but Jeremy has the, the, uh, the, there's an infinite well of bad magic cards that are
1: good. Occasionally knowledge in my brain.
0: Uh, so these four cards, uh, just so everybody knows is stubborn denial, jailbreak, seize the spotlight and return of the wild speaker. And so I'll, I'll go ahead and tell you which one's mine in case you couldn't guess. Uh mine is stubborn denial. Uh I think if you are playing a Krom deck and you are not playing st- or a Bruce deck uh and you are not playing stubborn denial, you are leaving m- free money on the table. Um this is a one mana negate in those decks almost always. Uh listen, y'all play y'all y'all are okay with playing Miscast. This is better than miscast. I'm sorry. It just—it's better than spell. It, it, it is generally speaking better than spell peers, like situationally, as long as your commander can support it. Like if your commander you can support 4 yeah, or you can consistently create a four-four. Um, the the trade-off is if you don't have your crom out or you don't have a four-four out. It's a Spell Pierce that's one less mana, and you're paying the same amount. So it's a spell, It's effectively a Spell Pierce with Upside. Um, so I don't understand why this is not in every single... Uh, Crom deck. Crom deck that ever sees... Over playing. a Miscast or Spell Pierce, basically? I, I mean, it should be over Spell Pierce for sure. I can see maybe a argument to be made for Miscast. Uh, just the three mana Definitely is pretty backbreaking.
1: You're, you're a meta meta dependent counterspell versus another meta dependent yeah. counterspell.
0: But I, I think Stubborn Denial is, it's meta dependent in what deck are you playing?
1: <laughs> the other way around, yeah. It,
0: yeah, it's like less dependent on the meta you're playing against. It's more dependent on what you're playing. Um, but Stubborn Denial is a card that I think should be in every Chrom deck. I'm putting it back into Arden Silas because it turns out when you play equipment, that Give all of your two twos plus two plus two. This is really this is good. <laughs> so it's just you have four fours and five fives and all of that lying around all the time. So stubborn denial is definitely a card that I think more people should be playing. But you, I've got I've got two have, separate rants here. Yeah. Uh, you have three rants here. Uh, well, I can
1: I can maybe put two of those in one rant. Okay. Um, so if you, uh, if you would take a moment with me to look, uh, we're going to go down in story time and then I'm going to put on a tinfoil hat here real quick. Um, so pre warning, uh, so if you notice the set that both jailbreak and seeds the spotlight are from, that is new Capenna commander. Uh, if you know anything about new Capenna commander, you know that that was also, this is where we get into the tinfoil. Uh, that was also where we got Hensie and we got, uh, Denry Klein. Uh, if you don't know anything about those cards or you didn't follow any of the rules stuff, uh my tinfoil hat here is that it seems a little like Commander R and D went off into another room, didn't consult with rules, and made some cards. Uh <laughs> is kinda what I think happened. That is my tinfoil hat. Uh and so we have a, a whole set of cards from this commander deck set of commander decks that like do some really weird broken stuff. Yeah. But they're not necessarily always good. Right. Um so like it, it just back to story time, uh Henzie basically didn't work by the rules, and then Denry Klein for some reason has a weird trigger on he triggers on himself and doubles his own counters, which then doubles the counters that he puts on up. It, it's it's weird. Um and then these two cards are also weird, uh is kind of the the story through line here. Yeah. So starting off with the one that I think is a little bit more consistently good and should be actually considered in more places, is Jailbreak. Uh, Jailbreak is. uh, I probably should just read the rules text on this card because both of these cards are something. Uh, Is return target permanent card in an opponent's graveyard to the battlefield under their control. When that permanent enters the battlefield, return up to one target permanent card with equal or lesser mana value from your graveyard to the battlefield. So we're in model white. We have the ability to reanimate any permanent for our opponents, and then we also get a permanent on our side. So you're very, very floor of this card is basically you reanimate somebody's fetch land and get your own fetch land and now you have rampant growth yourself and an opponent right that's not great but what about when you've been in the middle of your long stacks game and you reanimate their stacks piece and you're your stacks piece and now no one can win the game that is where this card starts to get very interesting yeah now if you want to play Graf Digger's Cage or you want to play Torpor Orbs in your stacks, hypothetical stacks deck, this card suddenly becomes very bad. That's <laughs> why. And also you can't guarantee that your opponents have graveyards and th- there's a whole list of like, well, this, then maybe this, then maybe this on this card where right. this card is a very powerful card. If. But if you meet these conditions and right. that's exactly why it's in this category and. Something that I think that people should consider playing, but not necessarily... I'm not going to fight as hard as I would for, like, reanimate in this case. Yeah. Uh, any
0: thoughts add in before I jump into Seize the Spotlight? Yeah. Uh, seize the Spotlight is pretty simple, so... Jailbreak is one of those cards, as a judge, that I hate that exists. Uh, it creates a delayed
1: trigger inside it of its ability. It creates
0: a delayed trigger, and it's very annoying... <laughs>
1: There's actually a new card that also does this. Yeah, uh, that they just printed, and
0: for whatever reason, I can't remember what card it is. For the life of me, we we but, talked about it in DMs, and I don't remember what it was called. But uh, there's a card that also creates a delayed trigger and does really weird things. Uh, I'm unhappy, with- Bob. Unhappy. <laughs> That's how I feel about it. Uh, but then
1: you also I'm have trying your to, I'm trying to find it and I can't find it very easily so I don't know what it is it's
0: fine we'll talk we'll talk about it on our set review next week
1: cool um, uh, so we are talking about seize the spotlight now which I should also read uh, for those who don't know what this
0: card does there's there's a whole long game theory involved with this card and don't worry um, I no judgment if you don't know what this card is because I this is on my show and I don't know what it does so uh, <laughs> I've played this card before too Probably
1: against you. Uh, so Season the Spotlight is two and a red for a sorcery. That is, each opponent chooses fame or fortune. For each player who chooses fame, you gain control of a creature that player controls until end of turn, untap those creatures, and they gain haste. Uh, for each player who chooses fortune, you draw a card and create a treasure. So basically, this is act of treason for all of your opponents, unless they want to give you a mana mm-hmm. and a card. And so in certain metas where you are Playing in say a very heavy Timna meta, you can do something like take a Timna, take another creature, take another creature. If they all choose to give you creatures, and you would have now drawn three cards, hit everyone, and there's no blockers, everyone's tapped down, they can all hit each other at the turn cycle. So you've so your your option one is active trees and everyone take three cards. Well, now your opponents have learned that if you active trees in the Timna, you get three cards, and now they don't want to give you any creatures, so now they give you cards and mana. So you've now just played zero
0: mana, draw three. The other thing about this too, that I don't think I, I didn't realize upon first reading is this does not target.
2: Nope. You just get any creature you want. Yep.
0: So it just, it, it, it's effectively a will of the council card.
1: Yeah. Kind of where you make some votes and then people. So Technically, this card isn't voting, but it does work the same way as voting when it comes to rules, which like this card probably should have been a voting card. But like, uh, yeah, I this card does not work great in the rules. I'll put it that way. Um, (laughs) Yeah, Uh, but basically it's either your opponent chooses between an act of a treason or uh, or they give you a card and a mana. And so if they have good creatures on board, they'll give you a card and a mana for every one of those. And then somebody will give you a creature if they don't have a creature. So like, that's where it runs into the, this is definitely a meta call, but if you're in the right meta, this is zero mana draw three. If you're in the wrong meta, this is no one plays creatures and you're playing a card that doesn't have text. Yeah. So it's, it's one of those things where I can't say play it, but also I don't see anyone else even like talk about this card when this card is obviously very dumb.
0: Hmm. Yeah. I, I, that's I'm basically, gonna... that's the rant. Interesting. I I get it. Um, what's your rant on Return of the Wild, Speaker? Yeah, this one's
1: also kind of simple. Uh, so basically, people are willing to play... Uh, my brain and names today. Kamal uh, and Kodama. Kamal, yeah. People are willing to play Kamal and Kodama in the command zone in their green stack stacks. And this card is not ad nauseum. But the other mode of this card with the overrun is strong enough in combat-oriented stacks decks that it should be something worth considering playing because this is not Nas, but it is five mana draw on a lot of cards in a deck like that. Right. Yeah. And yeah, basically you can play, you can play Nas air quotes without having to worry about the fact that you have an Archon of Valor's Reach and you're 99 and you zap yourself for
0: seven. Right. So the last category we have here are initiative cards and these are cards that you and i have both advocated for um and we both there think, are more than the white ones uh there's ones in every color but they there, are there's ones in every in color colors. but the white one the the two white ones are the best of them um which is white plume adventure and seasoned dungeoneer um, if you're unfamiliar with how the initiative works uh just look up the rules text i don't have the time to explain it to you uh we we'll will be here for a while we'll be here for a while it's effectively the monarch but instead you go through a dungeon. you have an effect and yeah.
1: generally that effect is worth about a card maybe less than a card it's about a depending half on this card value. per effect yeah it depends on the effect different yeah. effects are worth more amounts of value
0: yeah um so one one of these effects you have white plume adventure, which untaps uh and creature every ever at the beginning of each opponent's upkeep, not just your upkeep or once a turn cycle it's at each opponent's upkeep uh so it's yeah well it's it's kind of like drum uh, bellower drum bellower but with its drum bellower with upside um and so you have the drum bellower effect. Uh, then it also has the, uh, initiative stapled onto it, which I don't know how many people realize this or not, but if you ever have finished a done, like the, uh, Undercity, that last one's very good. That last room is nuts. Um, <laughs> it is very, very, very good. Also, it's just worth noting that infinitely
1: flickering something with the initiative on it does win the game. deterministically. Yes. So yep. just just a note, it does win the game right? if you flicker it in, a, in infinite times.
0: So, so uh, that is uh, kind of one of the things for White Plume Adventure. White Plume Adventure seems like a card that if you're playing like a Thrasios deck or a deck like a Kinnon deck, maybe. Well, I guess you can't play it in Kinnon, but yeah. like a deck that has some sort of uh, the cares. Thrasios Bruce. Yeah, Thrasios Bruce seems like a great place for White Plume Adventure. Um it pods into Felidar Guardian, pods into stuff. Uh it neoforms and evolutions into relevant stuff. It's a good card. Um the other one is Seasoned Dungeoneer, which is, I think, like the best Timna card I could conceive. Um <laughs> because it means two things. One, it, it makes it it makes itself unblockable. Uh and also, also-
1: any creature that is in a party unblockable, which if you were to note the
0: creature types on Timna, it's, it's a, cleric, a cleric, which is part of a party. Yep. Um, it, it, it itself is a warrior, uh, but it also, after it gives one of the a, a cleric rogue wizard or warrior, gains protection from creatures until end of turn, whenever you attack, uh, that creature also explores. Um, so, not only are you giving that card protection from creatures? You're also like digging through your deck and also putting potentially like counters on your command or on your card. Yeah.
1: So you're, you're playing a magic card, which gives you half a card's worth of value when it enters the battlefield. It will then give you a half a card's worth of value. That's roughly how I evaluate explore mm-hmm. when you attack. And then it will also grow your creatures and also, it's unblockable so you always get the initiative back no matter what.
0: Yeah. And also makes it so that your like commander like especially if you're in a Timna deck, right? Also makes it so that your Timna always connects. So that is a very strong ability that I think just doesn't see play. Um and I think a lot of people have just kind of decided, "Oh, the initiative is bad in commander." And I think That's not been my experience. It's not been my experience either. And I think it is worth exploring deeper. Uh, the, I I think it's worth noting
1: that the very first room on the initiative, which at first glance seems pretty bad is you search your library for a basic. But what that actually means is that if you play basics, you get a basic. And then as we have just been talking about throughout this entire episode,
0: your opponents hit you and And do not have basics
1: they get nothing
0: and they're generally incentivized the the they generally the play pattern i've seen is they just won't attack you if they don't have basics because they're like oh i don't need to right um and so they won't ever get past that first bad
1: room to actually get to any of the good rooms right well you're already past the bad room by playing this card
0: right and then you go to the forge or the lost well there's archives there's catacombs there's there's options. there's so many good things on the undercity like the undercity is a really good dungeon uh and I think we have just kind of wrote it off because venture was kind of medium, and this is a lot better than venture um I think I can very succinctly say that um it's also an upkeep trigger every turn. So if you have the, it's not an end step trigger, which is very important to remember. Um, so it's different from the monarch in that regard. Uh, but yeah, I, I love these creatures. The green one is vigilant, v- mana dork. Vigilant Vigilant dork, that, uh, it adds two green. If you've completed a dungeon, add six green instead. Yep, uh, and it's a three-four. Uh, that also gives you an, the initiative when it ETBs. So, like these cards are worth considering. Uh, and I look, like, and again, the black and blue ones aren't great. They the black and blue ones aren't great. exist. Yeah, they're a little expensive. Uh, the red one's very good. Um, red one hits really hard. Yeah, yeah. it hits like a truck. Uh, but like, with all of that said. When you look at these cards, like would you kind of, the takeaway from this episode for you, Phoenix, is kind of, wh- wh- where's your head at with that? Uh, people
1: need to play more basics. <laughs> that Yes. But also just like asymmetrical effects, stuff that takes advantage of, we need to look at, a, uh, let me rephrase my sentence into a sentence. We need to take a look at other formats and see what people are actually playing in those formats and what's working is like takeaway number one. Number two is that we need to play basics. Number three is that we need to play asymmetrical effects that work better in multiplayer than they do in 1v1 Magic. Mm -hmm. And card evaluation is not the exact same in 1v1 Magic as it is in multiplayer. And so some cards are going to be better and you need to be willing to embrace sometimes this card isn't great for this for this card to be amazing in other games. be down with that variance.
2: And and,
0: I mean, like we've already seen that be successful in for, again, I'm going to bring up Brian Koval, like containment priest isn't great against everything. Right. Like, yeah, it's, it's, it's really bad against breach. It doesn't even do anything. uh Yeah. Sometimes. Yeah. Unless they're doing dockside things. Well, they Uh still cast it. So yeah, I guess that's true. Uh yeah, so like there's there's a lot of things that situational like every card is situationally not great, right? Like ad nauseum when you're at four life is very bad, right? But yeah, it's if we're going to evaluate cards on the their situational qualities alone and not how are they going to be in a lot of situations, uh, I think we might be kind of giving our like selling ourselves short on card quality.
1: People, in general, very easily over-evaluate the negative consequences of things, such as... uh, A lot of these are good examples of, like, I don't want to play Winds of Abandon because it gives my opponents lands. Well, what did you remove for a land? I'm pretty sure you would have been way more okay with that being a land than whatever card it was.
0: that about wraps things up for us here this week. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of the podcast. If you liked this episode or any of our other episodes, please make sure to rate the show on whatever podcast platform you are on. And if you're listening on YouTube, go ahead and hit that subscribe button and leave a comment below with what your favorite part of the show was. I also would like to take a moment to thank our top tier patrons, Adam Hamden, David Snevely, LF Cruz, Matt Boehner, Michael Levine, and Senior Coupon. If you too would like to support the show, you can head on over to patreon.com forward slash The Mind or check out the link in the description. Thank you again for joining us. And from all of us here at The Mind Sculptors, I'm Callahan, and we'll see you next time.
1: we